At roughly around 8.45 p.m., an American Airlines flight number 11 left from Boston, crashed into the World Trade Centers, and changed how we see life in America. I can remember exactly where I was, as I'm sure you can too. As our country encountered something that was totally different from anything we had ever seen before, and it left us shocked, horrified, and with nearly 3,000 people dead. A handful of terrorists took down the twin World Trade Centers in one of the most prominent cities in the world, right in the view of our police and our military and everything else, 3,000 people dead, several more died trying to save those. And we had to rethink the fight that we're in. We had fought countries, Korea, Japan, we had fought all kinds of countries, World War I, World War II. We had fought for territory, land, sometimes that which wasn't even our own. We were used to fighting governments. But this time we were fighting something we had never fought before. And I'm going somewhere with this. I'm already into the message. It's not just because it's 9-11. I'm, I'm going to bridge 9-11 to the fight you have right now. We didn't know what to think. We, they, they said it was the planes that took down the World Trade Centers. They said it was the airplanes, but it really wasn't. Then they started showing us pictures of terrorists, and they said it was the men that killed 3,000 people, but it really wasn't. It was a thought. It was a thought that, 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 that shocked, terrorized, and led to the destruction of thousands and thousands of lives. And suddenly we found ourselves, and have been for the last 15 years, engaged in an ideological battle of such magnitude that it left us rethinking how do you fight an idea? You can't sanction an idea. You can't go to the United Nations and have a meeting about an idea. You can't withhold funding or, or have a summit, G8 summit to fight an idea because ideas don't respect governments, laws, rules, treaties, or creeds. And then we went a little step further and we said, okay, we understand what terrorists look like. So we started watching for terrorists. And all of a sudden we had an idea of who would be a terrorist and what a terrorist looks like. And then the terrorists start changing colors. Because it is not an ethnicity that we are fighting. <laughs> it is an idea. 
Now, I want to suggest to you this morning that as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. I wonder for a long time how come, how come we don't, uh, God does not require of us what he did of apostle, the apostles, the disciples, the early church. We're, we are not asked to lay our, lives down, our lives down yet in such a way that we would have to be crucified upside down or sawn asunder or, or pierced with the sword. And yet we are up under attack, but the attack is not a physical attack. Suddenly I begin to recognize that we are attacked in our minds, in our hearts, and in our emotions. And you can't see it. It doesn't look as dynamic. It's not as powerful as, as being hung or crucified or, or, or sawn asunder. But it is just as lethal because I see people dropping like flies all around us every day. Dropping like flies all around us every day. Dropping like flies all around us every day from invisible things. Dropping preachers, dropping institutions, dropping singers, dropping people caving in, marriages crumbling right down. What are we fighting? We're fighting an idea, an ideological war. Radicalization occurs by the infiltration of an idea. And the war continues in our mind for simple things like peace. And every time you're about to claim the territory of peace, a terroristic thought comes in and tries to take your peace, your joy, your contentment, your confidence, your boldness, your strategy, your future is all up under attack this morning. This morning. No need to set an alarm on the house because the alarm on the house will not detect this infiltration. It will not come in through a window. It will not come in through a door. There's no need to go out and get you a nine millimeter and sit there, I'm, I'm going to stop it because a gun cannot kill it. You cannot kill a thought with a pistol. We are engaged in a fight of ideas for a few minutes. I'm almost halfway through now. I want to talk to you out of 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. I want to talk about being brought by a thought. Being brought by a thought. But before you can be brought by a thought, I want you to understand that everybody in this room, black, white, red, brown, blue, green, and yellow, young, old, thin, and the rest of us, <laughs> Every last one of us is engaged in hand-to-hand -hand combat with the thought. Rich people, poor people, black people, white people, doesn't matter what color your skin is. I don't care how affluent you are. You can have more degrees than a thermometer, and none of them will save you from wrestling with the thoughts. Paul says, now, I'm, I, now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech ye that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk 
in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. Oh, good God of mine. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. He said, I'm, I, you see me in a body, but I am not fighting a body. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I got to stop right there because somebody this morning, something's got a stronghold on you. But it's about to come down. I said it's about to come down. For the pulling down of strongholds. You don't need a weapon for a weak hold. You need your weapons for that thing that has a strong hold. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Casting down imaginations. I cast down that shirt. How do you cast down an inanimate object? Cast down suggests it's physical. You use the word cast down, I'm going to cast it down, something physical. But then he says, no, you are going to cast down something you cannot even see. You are in a fight with an imagination. You are, how do you fight? How do you fight? How do you, how do you wrestle with an imagination? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the Oh, it's not death I'm worried about. It's the shadow. It's, it's the shadow. It's the looming threat of it. It is not it. It's the threat of it, the shadow, the dark shadow that is cast over my light. When an object, a real thing, is cast in light, it creates a shadow. And could it be possible that you're up at 2 o'clock in the morning fighting with ghosts? Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God exalts itself. That's the same word that was used about Satan. I will exalt myself above the most high. Exalted itself against what you know of God. Your hand clapping, foot stomping, going to church loving self. It's got the audacity to come and tell you, there ain't no God. You've seen him heal you, bless you, restore you, deliver you, set you free. But it'll still come up and suggest God is not real. Oh, it got quiet in here. <laughs> it exhausts itself against the knowledge 
of God and bring us every thought into captivity. We're going to lock up a thought, bringing every thought into captivity and every thought unto the obedience of Christ. My God, I'm preaching already. This is what I want to talk to you about. See, we are fighting much like our country is fighting, not just our country, but countries around the world are fighting an ideological battle. But so are we every day. I want, I want you to write down the word belief systems. Belief systems. Because kingdoms are really comprised of belief systems. Democracy is an idea. <laughs> it's an idea, it's just an idea. It's not a place, it has no address, it has no bank account, it's an idea. What establishes the kingdom of God is that it is an idea. The Bible says in, God, in the book of John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word, logos, and the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shined in darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. Crescendos in 114 it says, and the word was made flesh. The abstract was made concrete. The invisible was made visible and dwelt among us. And we beheld the wonder of his glory. The word manifests, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He, was, he didn't just give a sermon. He was a sermon. Sermons in the flesh. The physicality of the abstract, invisible God. And we went through a phase in the church where we went through this name and claim it age because we understood the power of a word. And we told you, you can have whatever you say, and you got to just say that thing. And we walked around cars we couldn't pay for, and we claimed them in the name of the Lord. You know, we claimed stuff. We forgot to claim the money to make the payments, but we claimed buildings and properties and businesses, all kind of stuff because we learned the power of a word. But we didn't understand that the word logos in the Greek goes deeper than a word. It goes back to a thought. So if you are confessing with your mouth things that you are not believing in your heart, your words don't have any power because they are not germinated from a place of sincere thought. So you can be saying things about yourself that, that negate the birth of the thing you say because it doesn't have the soil of a belief system to flourish in. Come on, stay with me, stay with me. The belief system does not validate what you're saying. So you are saying I'm whole, but thinking I'm sick. You're saying I'm free, I'm free, praise the Lord, I'm free. But you have a belief system that has fertilized bound. And you are where you are doing what you are like you are in the situation you are, not because of what you said out of your mouth, but because of the belief system you have in your life. Belief system. Jesus came all the way to earth to challenge what we believe. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, believeth, believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You don't have to kill lambs or goats or peace offerings or drink offerings. All not to be in Jesus' church. Everybody else's church had blood and smoke going everywhere. But when Jesus came along, he said, you don't need no smoke. You don't need no blood. You don't need no screaming animals. He said, just believe and you can get in. What is he doing? He's attacking the belief system that has stopped you from being free. Believing. What do you believe? What do you believe about God? Have you separated God from church? Or is God a place you visit on Sunday? A building you come to? A pew you sit on? Don't sit in my chair, that's my chair. Really? Really, that's your chair. Isn't that interesting? What do you believe about God? Is it a doctrine? Is it a baptism? Is it a communion? Is it all the ladies wearing white on the first Sunday? What do you believe about God? Because it has everything in the world to do with your relationship with him. It has everything in the world to do with whether you worship him. Some of you still are uncomfortable worshiping God because you don't believe he's there. And it's hard to talk to somebody you're not aware of. So you feel uncomfortable. What do you believe about God? Do you believe that God is for you? Really? Really for you? Because everybody doesn't believe that. Some people believe God's going to get you. God's going to get you. If you don't eat all your cereal, God's going to get you. If you don't clean up your room, God's going to get you. If you don't say your prayers at 6 o'clock p.m., God's going to get you. If you don't cross every I, every T, and dot every I, God is going to get you. He doesn't like you, no way. He's waiting on you to do something dumb. And as soon as you do something dumb, he's going to take you out. We're laughing. We're laughing. <laughs> but that's a belief system. He doesn't want you. Why would he want you? How can we come boldly to a God that we don't feel welcomed by? <laughs> I wish I had time. Woo! Let me go, let me go deeper because when you start dealing with a belief system, systems are hard to fight. The pilot was joking and laughing with us and, and, and he was a white guy and he was talking to two or three guys that were with me that were black and he was joking uh, about being a racist and he said he wasn't a racist. He said, if he was a racist, may God strike him dead. I said, listen, I don't mind you being a racist. Land the plane. I'm good with the racist land to play. We will test this on the ground. Just in case there's a little something, something. I can make it past a racist, but I don't intend to fall from 40,000 feet in there. <laughs> it is not that serious, baby. I'll be okay. Okay. 
belief systems, belief systems, belief systems cause you to be bitter and angry at people who raped and molested you because they created a belief system that said you were worthless. And the person has moved on, gone, or dead, and you are still trapped in a system of how you see yourself that you keep recreating by the people you see because what is left on you is not semen, but a belief system. Everything else you can wash away, everything else can heal, but the belief system. Good God of mercy. A belief system starts with a second grade teacher who says you're stupid and you're dumb and you'll never be there. Why don't you do your work? Belief systems. You're just like your daddy. Belief systems. You can't sing. That's why you don't, because they told you you couldn't. Belief system. So it's not just what do you believe about God, what do you believe about you? I've been saying this for years. This is why church doesn't work for a lot of people. Because the church is always telling you what to believe about God, but they never challenge what you believe about you. And so you believe that God can do anything, but you don't believe that you can. And Paul said, I can. Come on, do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You got it through Christ, but you don't have an I can. If you got it through Christ and you don't have an I can, it's like having a car and don't have any gas. What good is a through Christ if you don't have a belief system that says, I can. Say that with me. I can. Belief systems are important because if you don't change the belief system, you cannot help the person. About 50, 20, well, longer than that. I can't remember the day. They started HUD programs and, and, and low-income housing because they thought if we provided low-income housing, we will solve the problem over poverty. The problem is if you take a lot of poor people and you put them all together, all they do is see poor people. Come on, somebody. And when poor people can't see anything but poor people and how poor people talk and how poor people think and how poor people do, then what you did for good becomes a ghetto. And they found out later that mixed income housing produces far better results because I don't care how poor I am, if I live next to a doctor, if I live around the corner from a lawyer, if I can see anybody who broke out. So belief systems are reinforced by association. In order to break a belief system, you have to be willing to become uncomfortable. To all of you who are only comfortable with people who are into what you're into, you have a ghetto. You have a ghetto. 
You need diversity in the community of your world to irrigate your mind with sound, sound reasoning and power or you have created a belief system from which you cannot escape. You know all them single girls you run around with? Becomes a culture. And all of their advice becomes, and it's just a light bulb. If it was a gun, I'll tell you, I think. <laughs> and all of their advice, how can she tell you how to be a wife? And she lost four husbands. Come on, talk to me, somebody. I'm talking about belief systems. Now all of a sudden, you have a belief system. A belief system is something that you say over and over inside of yourself without moving your lips. Because when you talk to me, you talk good. <laughs> when you talk to me, you talk right. When you talk to me, you talk positive. It is not what you're saying to me that's killing you. It is what you are saying to yours. Come on, talk to me, somebody. I'm coming up. Oh, my God. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you to get to church. I got something for you this morning. I'm getting ready to cast down some imaginations. Ah, glory to God. Belief systems are making you sick. Belief systems are telling you what you can't do. You get around a certain period. I, I, got, to, I got to, let me see, I got about to 55 and I decided I was old. Because I'd never been that old before in my life. And so I figured this was old. And then I had a back surgery, and I was hurting, and I was bent over, and I felt old. So if I felt old, and I thought I was old, guess what? And then I started looking at people running for Congress at 80. And I said, I got to get away from these people who are reinforcing something that's making me think I'm old quicker than I... Come on, come on. Talk to me, somebody. Come on, somebody. Shake yourself right where you are. Shake yourself. Shake out of what's holding you. Shake out of what's limiting you. Shake out of what told you when you was going to die, what you cannot do, what you cannot be. The devil is a liar. Sing again. Shout again! Run again! I'm after something. Shot double horse. I'm after something. Sit down, don't get me happy yet. Y'all trying to make me get happy. What do you believe about your God? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about your life? 
your investments go into what you believe. People who do not believe for the future spend all their money in the now. Do you hear what I'm saying? People who do not believe in the future spend all of their money in the now. They have no savings. They put their money where their belief system is. In the moment. I look good for the moment. I bling for the moment. I'm impressive for the moment. I have no strategy for the future because my belief system did not plan on growing older. I had a belief system about being young. <laughs> so I'm talking to you, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about life? Well, it is what it is. That's just how it is. Because if that's just how you see it, that's how you think it is. Because if you don't get around people who challenge how you see your God, how you see yourself, how you see your life, you're stuck with your rich self. You're stuck with your broke self. You're stuck with your pretty self, but you're still stuck. You are stuck when nobody challenges your belief system. So here Jesus comes on the scene and says, believe on me and shook the whole world because he challenged their belief system. It has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, he challenged their belief system. What are your disciples doing? Eating and they haven't washed their hands. He challenged their belief systems. He broke the rules. You eating corn on the Sabbath? He challenged their belief system. He said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Good God of mercy. I'm the boss over your rules. I'm the Lord over your regulations. I do what I want to do. I bring up one and I take down another. I am God and beside me, there is no, oh God, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Oh, I feel like having some church in here. Somebody give him 30 seconds of praise. You got 15 seconds left. You got five seconds left. Watch this. <laughs> Two opposing ideas. Two opposing ideas create the warfare that you're engaged in. Two different ideas are fighting for you right now. Fighting for your life right now. I swear to you, I don't care if you're 10 or 100 years old. Two different ideas are fighting for the control. Give me the steering wheel. No, give me the wheel. Give me the... No, no, no. That's why we're schizo. 
No, 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 I'm serious. How many people have wondered how you could be so spiritual and so carnal? <laughs> now, I know you're not going to hold your hand up because you're in church, and I, I know who came to church this morning. Brother Wilson came to church. But Nasty Nathan is listening at me too. So I want to talk to him. Both of y'all sitting there. Maybe they can edit that out of the tape. We got Salvation Army here. I shouldn't have said that. Actually, my brothers and sisters, when you consider the complexities of a dichotomous ideology, it brings about a philosophical idea that causes us to have a certain degree of psychological wounding. When you consider the degree, see, I can do good, okay? Now, now that I proved that, let me act a fool. Slick Willie and Dirty Danny are sitting down. They are both in Deacon Johnson. And Deacon Johnson comes to church carrying his Bible. Saying to Slick Willie, don't say nothing, we going to church. Slick Willie is sitting inside of Deacon Johnson talking about, did you see her? Deacon Johnson says to Slick Willie, shut up, we're at church. Where are the real people at this morning? So you've got two opposing ideas fighting for the wheel. Though I am in the flesh, I do not war after the flesh. God and Satan sitting around talking, eating some potato chips, drinking Diet Coke. Over in Job City <laughs> on on First Avenue, and 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 God says to Satan, "Have you considered my servant Job? He's faithful and upright, upsheweth evil." And Satan takes a sip of coke and says, "You know why I'm not bothering Job? You got a hedge around him. I can't get to him." Do you not know there are some people that God has a hedge around that the enemy cannot get to? So Satan says to God, he said, listen at them talking about Job, but Job's not even in the meeting. I wonder if there's been some discussions about you. Satan says to God, he says, if you move the hedge around him, I'll make him curse you to your face. And God said, huh, devil, please. <laughs> anyway, so he says, you can touch anything around him, but not his soul. So Satan starts afflicting everything around Job, okay? Everything, 
his, his cattle, his land, his sons, his daughter, his marriage, his reputation, his finances, his job, all for one reason. He wants Job to curse God to his face. He wants you to curse God. He wants you to curse God. Job lost everything except his integrity. He kept his integrity. He kept his thoughts toward God pure. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know that my Redeemer liveth and, I see, and he shall stand in the last day. He speaks good about God. There is, what I want you to see is that Job is not in the fight. He is the territory of the fight. <laughs> There's a fight going on for you. Your past and your future are arguing for you. Your past says, I own that boy. I own him. He will never get away. And whenever your past wants to control you, it will always give you a memory. And so your future gives you a dream. So your dreams and your memories are fighting for what you think about. And if you tell me which one you think the most about, I can tell you where you are in your life right now. Good God, I'm gonna get this CD myself. If your mind is always on where you've been, you will never get to where you're going. If your mind is on where you're going, you will never be held by where you've been. But the two thoughts are fighting for your territory, your memories, and your dreams. That's why when you stop dreaming, you start dying. If you don't have something in front of you to fight for, you start relapsing. What does he mean when he says flesh anyway? Flesh is simply that which corrodes that which deteriorates. My wife fixed me some lunch to carry, me, carry with me on the road. And I told her right before I walked out the house, I said, maybe we can put it in the refrigerator when we get to church because it's meat. And there's one thing I know about meat, it goes bad quickly. So when the Bible says flesh, it's talking about that which will deteriorate quickly. We're not warring after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Carnal where we get the word carnivorous, carn where we get meat. We're not fighting a meaty fight. So you're not gonna win with a new lover. You're not gonna win with a new husband. You're not gonna win because you got married again. You're not gonna win because you got a wife. You are not fighting flesh. You keep thinking that if I get this, if I wear this, if I buy this, if I go there, if I get a ring, if I get married, if I, if I, if I, we're not fighting flesh. 
if you are dysfunctional when you're single, you're gonna be dysfunctional when you get married. Because you are not fighting flesh. You are fighting an idea. An idea got in that wedding dress with you. An idea wore the veil the same day you did. An idea got in them stiletto heels and hurt your feet as you walked down the aisle. And when he said, I do, he said, I do to the idea that you didn't get rid of. And you birth kids into that idea. <laughs> and you married into a family that had an idea that hovered over that family and you were still wrestling with the residue of the leftover ideas. So I'm saying, let me hurry, let me quit, let me quit. Can I go a little bit deeper? So what I'm trying to get you to see is that your past and its pain are fighting for control of your mind and your future and your dreams are saying, it's over here, it's over here, it's over here. And most of us are stuck in the fight between two ideas. I'm going to prove it. Look, even Jesus had to go through it. Fighting over ideas. Father, if it be thy will, if it be your idea, pass this bitter cup from me. Not my will, not my ideas, but thine be done. The writer in Hebrew says this. Watch this, I'm going somewhere. He says that Jesus despised the shame of the cross. He hated the process. He hated it. In fact, he dis despises a strong word. I don't like you as one thing. I despise you as some. He despised the cross. How did he go through it? But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame of the cross because he said, if I have to go through this to get to that, it's going to be worth it. If I have to go through this to get to that, it's going to be worth it. If I have to go through this to get to that, it's going to be worth it. When you lose your that, you've lost the fight with your this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. I got in a fight a while ago, deep, dark fight, deep, dark fight. And it really, this message germinated from that season in my life. I noticed every time I looked back on what hurt me, I withered. And every time I looked forward at what was before me, I got strength. You understand what I'm telling you? When you look back, all you're going to have is pain. When you look forward, then you're going to have joy. I'm not saying you won't have to crucify some things, but you'll be able to crucify them for the joy that is set before you. Listen to how Jesus talked. If you destroy the temple, 
in three days I'll raise it back up again. His mind was on his future, not his past, not his pain. I will drink no more wine until I drink it new with you in the kingdom of God. His mind is on getting up, not going down. It's the night before the crucifixion. And he's talking about, I will drink no more wine until I drink it new with you in the kingdom of God. You mean you're not worried about the cross? No, my mind is on the joy that's set before me. I'm not worried about the surgery because my mind is on what I'm going to do when I get up. Come on, somebody. Am I helping anybody? I'm going to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to go a little bit further because I want you to understand something. If you don't handle your thoughts right, you're in a cage. And let me tell you why a lot of people are leaving church. Because they came to church looking for answers. They dance and shout and sing and pray and holler and run up and down the aisle. And they get to jumping and they have an experience in their heart, in their spirit that is real. But because the war is in their mind, if you don't challenge my mind to change, oh, thank you, Lord. Listen to this. I didn't give you the scripture. I'm going to pull it. I'm talking to Jimmy. I didn't give you the scripture. I'm going to pull it. It's Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Watch this. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How am I going to do that, Lord? By the renewing of your mind. He said, if you renew your mind, you can go on with your life. There is a new woman in you that the kids and the world and your neighbors don't even know. There's a new man in you that your family has never seen. There is a new woman in you that your family and your friends have not seen. Somewhere down inside of you, there's a new woman screaming, let me out. <laughs> Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Somebody holler, let me out! I'm, 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 oh God, 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 God. Somebody holler, let me out! Somebody holler, let me out! I wish I had some time because I'm getting myself happy right now. Somebody holler, let me out! Somewhere, that's captivity, 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 captivity. Somewhere down inside of you, there's somebody hollering, let me out. They are chained behind bad thoughts and bad ideas and captivities and all kinds of issues. But down in the core of you, there's something hollering, what? There was a woman in the Bible. I do not know her name. The Bible does not give her name at all. All it tells me is her condition. 
she was a woman with the issue of blood. She had been sick for 12 long years. Now it's one thing to be sick for a month, but when you've been sick for 12 long years, you look sick. People can tell you are sick. Not only was she sick, that's physical, she was broke. For the Bible said she had spent all of her money trying to get healed from her past. Oh, I can't fool with it. I can't fool with it. Doctor treated this pre-existing condition. Doctor treated. Doctor treated. Doctor treated. Would you treat it? Would you treat it? Would you treat it? Would you treat it? She has spent all of her substance with worthless physicians who could not treat her issue. Look at how much you spent on people who cared nothing about you. This woman, this woman, somebody holler, let me out. The Bible says she was over, she was over in the corner doing what sick people do. She was bleeding. She was bleeding physically. She was bleeding financially. She was bleeding emotionally. And one day she heard that Jesus was Jesus was passing. You only got a minute to catch this. That's why when you're in a good church, you don't want people talking to you. You don't want nobody playing with their baby. You don't want nobody nudging. You're talking about where we going to eat after church because this is the moment where Jesus is. people and tell him he's passing by. I can't miss it. 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 Some people say Jesus healed the woman. But Jesus did not heal this woman. He didn't even see this woman. He didn't even know this woman was coming up behind him. In fact, Jesus said, who touched me? And then somebody said, it was the hem of his garment that healed her. But that's not true either. Because had his hem healed her, then every sick person in Jerusalem would have come crawling. She touched his hem, but that wasn't what healed her. That wasn't what healed her. What healed her was her belief system. She said to herself, I know I look bad. I know I've been sick. I know I've been broke. But if I made but touch, 
shake your neighbor by the hand and say, you need to change the way you think. You're going to be brought by thought. You're going to be brought by thought. You're going to be brought. You're going to be brought. You're going to be brought. I prophesy. You will be brought out. So, let me out. Somewhere down in that sick, bleeding, smelling, broke woman. That bitter woman. That hurting boy. There was something healthy saying, let me out. So let me tell you what she did. Peter didn't preach. John didn't lay hands. Mark didn't beat the tambourine. And Matthew didn't play the organ. She had church inside of herself, all by herself. And this is what she said. The Bible said, she said within herself, within herself, lips didn't even move, within herself, within herself, within, within she said within her, she said within, she said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. Now there was another thought said, you already tried every doctor. You already did everything you could do. You've been sick 12 years. No way you're going to get out of this. But every time that voice tried to speak up, she spoke, if I may but touch. If I may but touch. And so the thoughts got into a fight. The thought of being sick got into a fight with the thought of being well. And she kept crawling through, if I may but touch. In fact, the Bible says she said, if you look it up in the original language, it means she kept saying. All while she's crawling, she's changing her belief system. After 12 years, in one moment, she changed her belief system. And she changed it not by finding a man who would say all the things I always wanted to hear. It is not what your boyfriend's saying to you that makes a difference. It is what you're saying to yourself. It is not what your husband needs to say to you. It is what you say to yourself. It is not how your wife talks to you. It is what you say to yourself. And so I thought I would call this message brought by thought. <clears throat> because wherever you are right now, a thought brought you there. <clears throat> Dr. James was in California. But a thought brought her to Dallas. Oh! If you caught her unaware and say, how did you get to Dallas? She'd probably say, a plane brought me. But that's not accurate because the plane couldn't bring you if the thought didn't get you first. Two planes went into the World Trade Centers. Other planes went to the Bahamas. A thought makes a difference in where you end up. You are a child. Oh God, I gotta quit. You, oh God, Ooh, I miss y'all. You are where you are because a thought brought you there. And if a thought brought you there, a thought can bring you out. As a man, 
drinketh in his heart, so he is. I got to Get up on your feet, you got to stop because I feel if I go any further, if I go, if I go any further, if I can't go more, if I go any further, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God standing up in me right now. If you hear God speaking to you, give him a crazy praise. affects behavior. I don't deserve to be loved. We'll always get you left. Because belief affects behavior. People who don't believe they're supposed to be blessed financially will never be blessed. They'll have all kinds of degrees and can't make any money because belief affects behavior. Oh, gosh, honey. I don't know, you gotta understand, I've been in New York all week. I got in yesterday afternoon. I'm flying out after service going to LA. It would have been easier to bring in a speaker and hop from New York to LA, but I have an assignment. I had to be here this morning to deliver this message for somebody who's been stuck in a system that doesn't want to let you out. The Lord said he's going to bring you out by thought. You're going to be brought by thought. So I'm here. I want you to join hands with somebody. The person you're touching 
in some way has been in a fight. They wonder why they feel so tired. It's not because of your exercise routine, you're tired because you've been fighting. There's been a war going on in your life. It's an ideological war. The war is fighting, trying to destroy your future, trying to destroy your outcome, trying to destroy your peace. But the devil is alive. Squeeze that hand. The anointing is in this place to deliver you from everything that ever held you down. Today is your day for a breakthrough. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. Usha, mighty through God, pulling down strongholds. You got some stuff to pull down. You got some strongholds to pull down. Your attitude, your moods, your dispositions, you got to pull that mess down. It's stopping your prophecy. It's killing your future. Squeeze that hand. Y'all got to pull that down this morning. Pull it down. Pull it down. Pull it down. Cast down imaginations. Stop fighting with ghosts. Stop fighting with ghosts. It's over. Squeeze that hand. Father, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would take over this room. The power of God would liberate and set the captive free from this day forward that they would never be the same again. Every yoke would be destroyed. Every bondage would be destroyed. I break every negative belief system over your life right now in Jesus' name. Break loose and give him a praise. Break loose and give God a I mean a radical praise. try not to do this, but I got to pray for you. I got to pray for you because the Lord sent me to you. I got to pray for you because when I was preaching, I sensed the glory of God reaching out and touching your life, touching you in very personal places and very strong issues that have stopped you from being who you were created to be. And I know the Lord spoke to you and I know the Lord touched you in a very deep place because I felt the virtue go out of me. I felt the virtue wanting to come in to your life where you bear pain all by yourself and you don't tell anybody. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to humiliate you. But I am on a rescue mission to get you this morning. I heard the Holy Ghost say, 911, this is an emergency. 
I want you to go in there and get my son and bring him out where you have been bleeding, where you have been burdened, where you have been hurting, and you've been stuck in a belief system about yourself that has stopped you from reaching your potential. But as I lay my hands on you today, in the name of Jesus, somebody give God just a moment of praise. Just a moment of praise. Just a moment. Just a moment of praise. Come on. 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 Mama, get this door. Oh! Just a moment of praise. Just a moment of praise. Just a moment of praise. Can y'all feel that glory in this room? Can you feel that glory? Can you feel that absolute, supernatural, Holy Ghost power in this place? Somebody who's got the Holy Ghost, give God a praise! If I call, if I call an altar call, there won't hardly be anybody here to pray for them because so many people have been fighting with something that's, I tell you what, if you get ready to change your belief system, do me a favor, just do this. I'm getting ready to change the way I see my God. One more time. I'm getting ready to change the way I see myself. One more time. I'm getting ready to change the way I see my life. Come on, go to church. Let's go to church. Somebody take me to church.
know I'm out of time. I know y'all gotta watch the game. But one more time, for every devil that ever held you, just turn one. This is, this is the word of the Lord to this people. 
I have shared it with you this day from my heart. Whether you are in this building or blessed to be online, if you get to hear this word, blessed is he that hears this word. If you hear this word, long after I walk out of this stage and out of this building, this word is going to be in your house. It's going to be in your head. It's going to be in your mind. It's going to be in your spirit. I don't care how long you've been bleeding. Today the issue is over. And it's not because I'm here. And it's not just because you're in the potter's house. But if you heard that word and you obey that word and you change the way you talk to yourself, you will change where you end up. She said to herself, ah, glory to God. I'm going to do this. Glory to God. I'm not, we went over, but I'm not going to apologize because sometimes we need to go over. We need to. We need it. We need it. We need it. We need it. We need a gully washing, thirst quenching, mind renewing release of the Holy Ghost. Wherever you are right now, you're there because your thought brought you there. Whether you're touching the hem of his garment or you're basking in the leper's den with other lepers just like you, you are where you are because of how you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You don't need nobody to rescue you. You don't need nobody to come get you. You need to stop thinking that stupid thinking and be transformed by the renewing of your mind and how you think about your God and how you think about yourself and how you think about your life. I'm going to change the way I think about my God. I'm going to change the way I think about myself and I'm going to change the way I think about my life. That is repentance. Repentance is not crying. Repentance is to turn around. That's why I had you to physically do what I hope you're doing in your heart and in your life. Two things I'm going to do, I'm going to do them quickly. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you're here and you're backslidden, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You do not have to go out of this door informed and inspired without being changed. Jesus came that you might have the right to the tree of life and you can have it right now. I don't care what you did. I don't care who you did it with. I don't care how long you've been doing it. I don't care what your net worth is. I don't care what your health condition is. I don't care if you're HIV positive. I don't care if you have AIDS. I don't care if you got a prison record. I don't care if you're on your fifth marriage. I don't care nothing about your yesterday. Nothing about your yesterday is going to save you. I care everything about your tomorrow. If you want to change where you're going, I want you to stand in the nearest aisle. Our ministers are placed all around this building. If you stand in now and say, I want to be saved, a minister will come to you and pray with you right in now. I want you to move out from where you are and take a bold stand for Jesus Christ and say, I want to be free. I want to be saved. I want to be whole. Just stand in now. They'll come to you. They're all over this room waiting on you. Whosoever will. I don't care what you got on. 
I don't care the color of your skin or the language you speak. I don't care what the neighbors say about you. I don't care what you've been through and how long it's been. This woman had been sick 12 young years and God delivered her in one moment. One moment can change the rest. One moment can change the rest. Is the one today. I see summer starting to come and prayers going on. Don't let this moment pass you by. If you want to come to the front, you can come to the front. If you want to come in the aisle, you can come in the aisle. But don't you dare go home the way you came. Don't you do it. He's passing by. Don't you let this moment pass you by. Don't you dare let this moment pass you by. Worried about people and what they think and what they might say. I don't care what they say. This is my moment for a wonderful change. Is another one. As I prepare to close, keep it soft. Stay right there.